We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Kenton podcast, the perfect show for any and every one of you college football and NFL fans. I am still your host, Travis May, and I'm joined again by Stefan Lico. You can find us on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M and Stefan Lico. That's L-A-K-O. Uh, if you're checking out the show for the first time, we talk everything from football recruiting to college football to NFL to fantasy football, uh, really just about the journey of the best football players in the world and what makes them good. Like what builds out a a perfect NFL prospect at every single position. And we've been going through the series that we have, have called the next big thing. We talked about quarterbacks and running backs so far. Now we're going to take a look at wide receivers that are returning to college football or heading into college football and are in prime position to be the next big thing to jump up into NFL draft discussions and uh, could be uh, top tier prospects and how we would rank them uh, as of today uh, here as we are still in the off season. Uh, well, only for like, you know, like, I guess less than 90 days here still, of, uh, you know, less than ideal circumstances with no real meaningful football games. But uh, Stefan, how are you? It's uh, always good to talk through some prospects with you. Absolutely. I, I am excited to go. I, I feel like football season is here because I've already started a bunch of drafts. I've got some best ball stuff yeah. going on. I've already gone. I've already completed a bunch of Debbie drafts. Uh, so it's it's fun, man. It's I know I know it's early for a lot of people, but uh, us us degenerates, we're we're already we're already running yeah. forward you know it's it's fun though i love it it's it's interesting seeing like and we'll talk about it with some of these guys today too but it's it's interesting seeing where my rankings differ from like everyone else like players i have in like the top 15 20 uh, go mm-hmm. i'm able to draft them i have to pick between a couple of them <laughs> in the end of my rounds because they're still available so either everyone else is missing it or i am way too high on these players uh, probably the latter, <laughs> given my track record, I'll hit on a couple of them, but uh, I do love to hype up some mediocre players. <laughs> hey, I mean, we always we all have that one player or two players in every single class. We're like, you know, I'm I, I see the potential. You yeah. know, it's like I if we, we want to believe that we know like this is going to be the guy, and no one else sees it. We are the ones that 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 have it figured out. Yeah, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll try to identify a few of those that uh, we could 
be wrong about or could be right about. I mean, we'll see. But uh, and we have had some pretty we have had some pretty great hits too over the years. I mean, yeah. like Zach Charbonnet. That was that's still one of my all time favorites. So well, yeah, and we'll see if he actually. Uh, no, no, he will. He's, he's, he will. I am victory <laughs> lapping we'll already. <laughs> Just hey, on the capital alone. I mean, given that the you know the, the NFL only selects like three running backs inside the first two rounds these days. I mean, three years in a row of them selecting no more than three right. running backs in the first three rounds. I mean, that's that says something when you're good enough to go in uh, that. Uh, that range of draft. I mean, regardless of how his NFL career plays out, as we know at this point, he he was definitely an ideal prospect at the very least, or at least good enough to get some serious capital. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're here to talk some wide receivers today. And uh, you have shared your uh, wide receiver kind of tier rankings uh, with me ahead of the show. And um, we can talk about how, you know, what, what you got right, <laughs> what you got wrong. Absolutely. And, uh, what, what, what I might be wrong on as well. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, but uh, I don't think we're going to surprise anybody talking about uh, who, who might the next big thing be uh, the wide receiver position, just kicking things off at the top, though, uh, because it looks like uh, your wide receiver one, to no one's surprise, is the son of Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State. And so, I mean, I, I know what I think. I know a lot of people who are listening to a college football podcast in and NFL podcast in June probably already have a, a pretty solid opinion when it comes to Marvin Harrison Jr. But for you, Stefan, what makes him in a tier of his own ahead of the likes of, you know, Xavier Worthy or Mecca Buka or anybody else in college football? Right, because it, it's quite the ascension, really. I mean, he was the, well, I think he was ranked the 21st wide receiver in his class, in the 2021 class. In fact, Emeka Agbuka, who we'll be talking about later, who is his teammate, uh, was actually the number one wide receiver coming out that year. So he he's hurdled yeah. a lot of people to get here. And I just think you, you watch him play and the offense just works differently when he is on the field, as opposed to when he is not. And when he is on the field, he is absolutely dominant. I mean, he had uh, 14 receiving touchdowns uh, this year uh, in 13 games. That's lovely. You love, you love to see that he had over 1200 yards. Um, you love to see it. You do. I mean, oh, it's it's just the production is there. You can see the separation. He he ticks all the boxes. It's funny because the only thing that's like, oh wow, this the only thing that makes him maybe not a perfect prospect is the fact that his recruiting profile wasn't elite, you know? Um, but that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think we'll yeah, forgive absolutely. him that. I mean, like, hey, prove it on the field. Yeah. And it's funny, it's like it's not like he was like a three star even. He was right. actually a, a, a top top-ish level uh, four-star. He wasn't like uh, supposed to, you know, hit the ground running and, and just be this uh, all-star in the way that he was in that uh, that uh, Roseville game against Utah with the three touchdowns uh, as a true freshman. And he didn't do much before then. But, um, you know, even dating back to the spring of his, uh, well, what was before his freshman year, he was actually the first uh, true freshman to shed the, uh, the famous – uh, black stripe that the Ohio State Buckeyes wear on their helmets until they have earned the title to be, you know, a Buckeye. Uh, and so it was a big deal that he actually shed that uh, first. And it'll be interesting to see what happens this year with the incoming freshman trio of wide receivers uh, that are really solid as well. Because, I mean, Carnell Tate has already, he was the first one to shed his black stripe this year. So we'll, it'll be fun to see if he's actually the guy that kind of ascends quickly and, you know, has a significant role by year's end as well. But Marvin Harrison, I mean, like when you look at, uh, just ideal wide receivers historically. Uh, he just looks like the perfect 
uh, kind of prototypical X, but he can, you know, he's more versatile than that. So, I mean, he's got the six, three, he's got the wingspan. He's got, he's over, over 200 pounds. He's got a fantastic pr- production profile. Like you said, over a dozen touchdowns, over 1200 re- receiving yards uh, against top notch competition and splitting targets against, uh, I, say, I say against, but I mean, you're really competing with your fellow wide receivers in a, in a, what is what a, a, an historic uh, wide receiver room and a wide receiver run for Ohio state. What yeah. they're doing right now. Um, you know, it's just stacking wide receiver on wide receiver on wide receiver with some of the best players in the country at every single year. We may never see a positional run like this in terms of uh, recruiting ever again. And so, I mean, I could, they had Garrett Wilson, they had Chris Olave, they had Jackson Smith and Jigba first rounder, first rounder, first rounder. And then they're going to have it next year. Marvin Harrison Jr. First rounder. They're going to yeah. have Emeka Ibuka, a teammate of his also first rounder. And then behind them, they bring in the highest pedigree class that we've seen in terms of like a trio of wide receivers uh, in four or five years, like the, the group this year, like Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, uh, Noah Rogers, that trio is a higher rated trio than that. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devonte Smith trio for Alabama. Yeah. It's just like crazy. They just keep on bringing it. Um, and so it's wild what they're doing. And to, to be an alpha wide receiver that ascends beyond all the rest of that talent that is around you still um, that that says something, and so th- there's no wonder. It's no wonder that he's probably going to be a top, maybe five overall NFL draft pick next year, if not like the second or third overall pick in the draft. Uh, that that kind of range of pick, we haven't seen anything, anyone even be in that kind of range since, like what, who, like Julio Jones? Like that's that's who he really kind of profiles like. You know, like he's he is. I, I hesitate to say, I hesitate to say, uh, generational, but there's 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 a chance. He is kind of a generational type, type talent, and, and so the next big thing we kind of already know it's going to be a thing, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're hardly ever this confident a year out saying, okay, this guy's the wide receiver one next year. I mean, we, we were really confident with Jamar Chase. I mean, a lot of people were, but we're even more so uh, with Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, we've been talking about his his teammate already, um, and, and to me, that next tier. Um, because I do think that there is a teardrop because I just think Marvin Harrison yeah. Jr. is, you know, clearly the elite one. Uh, but I've got Xavier Worthy and Emeka Agbuka, again, from Ohio State, kind of in that next tier on their own. Xavier Worthy, though, like as I've been kind of looking into the numbers a little bit more as I was prepping for this, um, his freshman year, again, we've talked about it, was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he had uh, just under 1,000 yards. He had 12 touchdowns. Um, and then this last year, he uh, he had almost as many receptions, but uh, his his usage just completely shifted. It seemed like it was far less explosive plays. Um, his, his average reception dropped from like sixteen to thirteen uh, yards. Um, am I too high on Xavier Worthy at number two? Should should I drop him down into a, a different tier, or does this feel right to you? Do you think that was just a, a weird year? Kind of a weird year, and uh, you know they didn't always have uh, perfect quarterback quarterback play either. Uh, they were, you know, they had Quinn Ewers, they had uh, Hudson Card, and then they had a you know coming back too soon from injury version of Quinn Ewers as well. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, Worthy admittedly just uh, struggled with drops a couple times. <laughs> uh, there were a couple games where that was just a real issue, and so uh, yeah, that, that's if that's going to be the knock on Worthy, that's that's a valid one. But in terms of his athletic upside. And as I mentioned, I think maybe three or four shows ago, when I talk to people that actually are going to be making decisions at the next level, 
like when it comes to the actual spatial data, the movement data, you know, from the chips and, and the pads and the functional athleticism when it comes to acceleration, deceler- deceleration, top t- top tier, uh, top tier speed and consistently hitting top tier speed, uh, all the things that they look for in terms of functional in-game uh, key metrics for wide receivers. Uh, Xavier Worthy is like the number one player that people are interested in just because of how he separates, how he moves on the field. Uh, and so when you mix that in um, with the obvious upside that you see from film assessment and the obvious upside that we see from uh, the analytical perspective and seeing the, the true freshman breakout, having one of the best true freshman seasons uh, ever for wide receivers, really, um, by the adjusted metrics. Uh, so I don't really have very many questions when it comes to Worthy. And I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to be a top, you know, 25 pick next year. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Uh, and and we were talking about it before the show that that Texas offense is going to be very very hard to stop. They just have uh, so many weapons at so many different positions. Like the skill positions are just absolutely uh, loaded. Um, Emeka Egbuka, I mean, you you talked about how Marvin Harrison produced. Uh, so did Egbuka. He he was actually very close behind. Um, yeah. As far as I mean, if you if you include rushing yards and, and rushing touchdowns i mean he he he, he, get, he narrows the gap even closer uh so he he was uh phenomenal in his own right uh putting up over um over 1200 scrimmage, yard, scrimmage yards on the year so yeah again i think he's i think he's safely uh a first day pick uh do you agree with that with Igbuka? do you think he's going day one yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know. We have these uh, kind of preconceived biases about um, a certain type of wide receiver when they come in. And I was thinking, oh, man, hopefully Ibuka actually works out because I know we just saw Julian Fleming get wasted uh, at Ohio State. You know, he just was he was supposed to be the guy at wide receiver coming in as a recruit and then wasn't. And so I was hoping, OK, let's hopefully it's not going to be the case because coming in, he was going to be behind Alave and Wilson and uh, among other people uh, still that were already there. Uh, and then we saw Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, look like he was going to be the guy that exceeds uh, exceeded uh, Ibuka's production, and it turns out turns out that was okay that he did because Ibuka could all could also put up over 1,200 yards in the same season yeah. alongside Marvin Harrison Jr. So uh, Ibuka, I mean, he's going to be a guy that I think gets uh, round one capital as well. And when it, when you look at the early mock draft data for whatever that's worth right now in June, a year ahead of time. Uh, the top three are these three. They're Marvin Harrison Jr., they're Mekambuka, actually number two, and then Xavier Worthy, number three. All three, in, by consensus, however you want to weight it, whatever sources you use, they're all going inside the top 20, 25 picks, and they have the pedigree, have the profile, have everything you want to see. So those three are the, the safest projection in all of college football to be drafted next year, and, and it's really not close. There is a definitive, clear gap here uh, whether you want to talk about production profile, whether we want to talk about pedigree or at functional athleticism we, that I have data for, like it, th- there's a drop here after these three. It's not to say that there aren't other good players, but th- these three might just all be elite NFL starters. Right, right. So uh, let's talk about that next tier. For me, um, I've got uh, Malik Neighbors, who uh, kind of produced the way we thought uh, Keishon Boutte was supposed to. And then we've got two... Um, well, they were true freshmen last year, uh, Luther Burden and Evan Stewart at Texas A&M kind of Texas A&M was such a dumpster fire offense last year at times. Um, but they bring in, um, uh, Bobby P, uh, former Louisville 
Lamar Jackson quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. Well, do you think this helps the offense? I mean, apparently he's going to have complete control over the offense. Do you think maybe we, we see something that gets Evan, Evan Stewart uh, bigger numbers that maybe make him more exciting from a production standpoint? Yeah, I hope so. There's no reason that Evan Stewart, given the talent that he is, the athletic freak that he is, should be limited to two receiving touchdowns uh, on the entire season this year. I mean, he played in, what, 10 games last year, and uh, he caught, you know, like, what, 53 or 54 receptions for 600-something yards. And, you know, I, I get it that there were other a couple other decent options around him, like Moose Muhammad is actually no slouch, also had over 600 yards himself, and, in fact, was uh, more explosive at times. Uh, and is, is a good player as well. Twice as many touchdowns uh, but, with four. <laughs> yeah, with four. Yeah. It's just, it was not uh, a great offense through the air. The entire offense basically had to lean on Devin A. Chain because they just couldn't push anything downfield for whatever reason, that w- whether it was with Haynes King or uh, Max Johnson. Uh, but it really, things changed when uh, Connor Wagman really got in a rhythm. And uh, when you look at his overall adjusted freshman profile as a passer, uh, it's it's really promising to throw eight touchdowns to zero interceptions and have eight adjusted yards per pass attempt as a true freshman. It looks like uh, you know they might have a good player, a good quarterback there in, in Weigman. And so as he continues to develop and, and kind of breaks out perhaps in year two, hopefully that is enough to get Evan Stewart's pro- profile where, where it needs to be, where we're excited about uh, what he could be at the next level and, and where he looks more like a uh, first round projection like we thought he could be because I think that's still very much in the cards for him and so having him in this tier um, especially if you're assuming like he and Luther Burden among a you know a smaller group of other wide receivers are in the mix to be wide receiver one for 2025 because of course Evan Stewart Luther Burden they're not eligible for next year's draft right. we'll be waiting again um, like yeah, after you miss out on the top three wide receivers from 2024, it makes sense that you would be looking to kind of target in, in deeper fantasy leagues or just kind of look ahead at projecting like who's going to be the true difference-making best players among the entire group of wide receivers returning to college football. That's a, that a really good bet that Evan Stewart is uh, perhaps the best among all the rest. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely like him going in this tier. Uh, I'd love to see Luther Burden kind of take a next step and, and really – act like a full-time uh, feature receiver that's not just underneath stuff. Uh, but I really liked it. Uh, I think you mentioned you had Malik Neighbors in this, this, this tier as well Yeah, um, at, at LSU. He was just the best wide receiver there by a lot last year. Um, and so, you know, putting up a 1,000 yards when Jaden Daniels is your quarterback, that's pr- pretty impressive. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was going to be possible for anyone to do that for LSU. So really, really love this tier uh, of players. Um, still uh, – elite level upside among this bunch. Yeah. And Malik neighbors, it's not like, uh, I mean, I, I said he came out of nowhere. He was still a, a high recruited player. He was in the 19th in that same class with, uh, Egbuka and Marvin Harrison. So he was a four-star guy. It's yeah. not like he came out of nowhere. Like I said, it's just more, I think we expected it to be Kayshawn last, last year and not Malik neighbors, but, um, yeah, that was kind of my thoughts around them. So do you feel like I missed anyone in this tier? You, you mentioned these, uh, looking for players that have the potential, especially if you're looking a year out, that that could maybe jump up and be that number one guy or, or get that day one capital. Do you feel like I missed anyone? I think you could, uh, as far as uh, 2025 draft eligible guys, you could definitely put, uh, you know, a Barry and Brown out of Kentucky up into this mix. You could put Antonio Williams at Clemson into this mix. 
Um, Which I have both those guys in my next. I have both those guys in my next tier. Um, And I did want to talk to you about Barry and Brown because I know you like him. Um, And (laughs) I, I have um, been able to snag him in like the fifth round of Debbie depleted um, drafts. And it makes me feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) You know, Barry Brown is somebody, it's just because he goes to Kentucky, right? Like when uh, he was coming into college, well, I actually drafted Barry and Brown in one league. Um, I think it was, I guess, three years ago now, <laughs> because uh, it's just a ridiculous league where you can draft anybody pretty much. Like my, my son got drafted yes. as a joke. Uh, and so, it, it, you know, I was taking Barry, Barry and Brown three years ago because uh, he was this ridiculous athlete that uh, the entire state of Tennessee didn't know what to do with uh, because they couldn't stop him. Um, as a return man, so they just would just they they refused to kick to him. Like they didn't care if they kicked out of bounds. They didn't care if they like just like give him a little dinker kick that uh, was barely even punting. Like they just stopped the entire state stopped punting to him because like half of his kick kickoff returns and uh, punt returns it wasn't half. It was like a third of his kickoff and punt returns as, as a sophomore in high school went for touchdowns, and so no one ever returned to like ever gave him another opportunity because he was just too electric. It was unstoppable. Um, and so I was like, okay, that's pretty special. And then he got the Alabama offer, and then he actually turned down Alabama. He's like, nah, I'm just going to go be that dude at Kentucky. And then he shows up as a true freshman and is every bit that dude uh, and is like the best player playmaker on the team from day one. Uh, you know, they, they also have a good freshman in Dane Key, but – Barry Brown being the most electric and versatile versatile playmaker there. And so to me, he just looks a lot like what the NFL likes to take in round one, like really dynamic uh, next level speedsters that uh, aren't just outside guys. They aren't just slot guys. They're, they're do it all wide receivers that can create their own separation. Uh, they're not necessarily always a six, three, 200 guy. And that's okay. If you're Marvin Harrison, that's fine. But uh Barry Brown just really looks explosive and like a next level first round player. So, so I wouldn't have anybody, I wouldn't knock anybody if they wanted to have him as their wide receiver one uh, for 2025. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And like you said, he's, he's six one. It's not like he's a s- small guy. We have, there's not going to be size concerns at all for him. No. Um, you, you mentioned Antonio Williams. He he was in that same class and a little bit higher. I mean, Barry and Brown was a top 10 wide receiver in that class. Um, And uh, Antonio Williams was, also uh, high up there. And he hasn't really done a whole lot um, yet for Clemson. Um, and, and a lot of that is because this Clemson offense has just been so um, brutal to watch outside of Will Shipley, you know, but he, he did have, um, you know, the best year of all the receivers. He had 56 receptions, um, only 604 yards. And again, only those four touchdowns, which I think we were all um, a little disappointed in. We, I know I was expecting, uh, DJU to be much better, but uh, where are you in Antonio Williams? You mentioned that he deserves to be up in this tier. So I, I, I think you're going to sell me on him here. So let's hear it. Well, it's funny, like he and Barry and Brown just had just over 600 receiving yards uh, last year. And that's not great from a raw yardage perspective, but they were both actually uh, the team's leaders in receptions, I believe, and yards. Right. And right. so, uh, so yeah, their, their teams were kind of bad, but that doesn't mean that they weren't actually uh, the, the one bright spot on the roster. And so he showed to, you know, he was like, Hey, I'm a true freshman. I'm here to make a difference. And I'm, by the way, I'm your best playmaker from day one. Uh, he had like 15 more catches than anybody on the team. Uh, and he doesn't have that re- like receiving uh, dynamism uh, to his game that uh, a Brown does, 
but um, he's every bit uh, the playmaker as an actual wide receiver. They had to kind of, uh, you know, ease him in with a lot of uh, underneath stuff. Uh, last year, he wasn't, uh, you know, playing a prototypical, you know, create your own separation from day one type of role. It was a lot of, uh, you know, swing routes and quick slants and other, other things underneath. But um, he really developed and, and grew into that that offense there. And I really expect him to be the alpha, the, the guy that takes the next step and is the clear wide receiver one and probably has a near perfect profile in terms of production metrics uh, after this year. Uh, even if Caden Klubnick doesn't put it all together, I, I assume that uh, Antonio Williams is going to be the guy and probably gets close to if not exceeds a thousand yards on the year. And then at, at this point, we're not really having any questions because we're like, okay, oh yeah, yeah. We just saw Barry Brown get and Antonio Williams get up to like a thousand yards this year and you know, add more touchdowns and have, you know, a more efficient uh, nature to their game this year as, as they develop. So I, I, would, I wouldn't knock anybody if they ranked Antonio Williams or Barry Brown uh, as wide receiver one for 2025. So having them, that that's why I would move them, them up into the same tier with, with Luther Burden of Missouri, who looks like to be, he's probably going to be the feature, the go-to option for Missouri this year as like the, the entire focal point of that offense. Now that uh, Dominic Lovick has, has left for Georgia, and so, yeah, I mean, like, the, for me, like, the, the, there would be this tier where it's only these four and Malik Neighbors, because to me, Malik Neighbors is kind of like on an island as the clear wide receiver four yeah. for, um, for 2024. So, um, and then we, we get into the mix of, like, the upside of, of, like, identifying who the top tier options are beyond that. And, and what that gives us is a top eight wide receivers where we say, okay, we've got our top four for 2024 figured out, and we think we have our top 24 or uh, four figured out for 2025 and we're like okay that that actually looks like okay these guys could be the all, all eight first rounders that we see over the next two draft classes yeah there might be one or two others but this could be it yeah i, I like how that kind of breaks out definitely uh wasn't intentional but it, it does make a lot of sense uh the other two dudes <laughs> men that i have in this tier um which maybe now we'll separate it out just for the convenience of it all. Uh, but I've got Ja'Cory Brooks uh, from Alabama, who we keep waiting, <laughs> we keep waiting for. And then Troy Franklin at Oregon, who is trying to become the first person in like 50 years to be drafted in the first round at the wide receiver position from that uh, beautiful, beautiful institution. Um, <laughs> so I love Troy Franklin. He's an amazing ball player. I don't know. I don't think he's going to get that day one capital, but what are your thoughts on uh, Brooks and Franklin? And, and would you have them kind of in that next group of receivers? Yeah. So uh, once you get beyond like the top four uh, for next year's draft, man, you, you could go a whole lot of different directions uh, identifying who could be uh, the next option. I, I like having Jacory Brooks in this mix because uh, we know what he was coming into high school. Like he was supposed to be that dude. He was a five-star uh, designated type recruit since he was like, I don't know, 14, 15. As soon as his profile showed up anywhere on any recruiting services, he was like, hey, why does he run the entire class? Uh, because he was just different. Like he was that camp kid who, I don't know, like a few, I don't know, earlier this, earlier this spring we talked about pipeline kids. He's yeah. just one of those those prospects. Like he's been in the pipeline to be a professional wide receiver forever. Like he's just going to make it. Like that's all there is to it. Um, and, and it's hard to quantify that really, uh, but it's just like, he's that, he's that dude. It's like for the, that kind of player makes it, is he going to be a round one player at this point? doesn't look like it, but, and we'll see how this final season goes, but, um, he's definitely in the mix, uh, because he has all the physical traits. Yeah. And, six uh, foot three. Not, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, he, and he kills it vertically. He he plays a wide receiver position really well. He was like what seventeen plus yards per reception last year, and um, was was really solid. And I know people want to knock the Alabama wide receivers, like man, they don't have any good wide receivers. Blah blah blah. Actually, they had too many good wide receivers. That's what it was. Like they had too many guys that like, hey, who do we actually put on the field here? Like they brought in one of the best uh, wide receiver classes ever, like twice in a row uh, in the past two years, and so much so that. A couple of them just left. They're like, there's too many bodies here. Like, I can't play. Uh, there's too many older guys that are going to be here and have more opportunity. Like, JoJo Earl is gone. Aaron Anderson's gone. Both, like, top 50 or 60 players in the country just, just left because, like, I can't even see the field. And most people so like most people don't even know who Aaron Anderson is. No, but, like, and he but, went to LSU. Like, he, yeah, but, but he, 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 just tried, he was a top 10 wide receiver in his class. <laughs> yeah, and, and he can't even see the field because of guys like Ja'Cory Brooks. And uh, Jacory Brooks, like he, and we people wanted Jermaine Burton to be the guy, but uh, he's he's kind of gotten in trouble <laughs> a couple of times, and so I'm not sure he's going to be the guy uh, this year. Uh, but re- really, when you look at the di- the distribution of targets and, and snaps and an opportunity, like they had six players with over 300 receiving yards last year. It wasn't but like for once, it wasn't like a it wasn't a funnel offense at all. They just had they kept cycling really good wide receivers in and out on the on the field and giving them opportunities to, to make a play. Uh, and, and eventually, uh, you know, some guys lost their opportunity. And because that, they actually ended up transferring. Aaron Anderson's gone. Jo- Jojo Earl's gone. Treshawn Holden is gone. And so all these guys that fought for these targets last year, uh, a lot of them are gone. And yeah. so maybe, uh, including the, the running back, who was a real dif- difference maker last year, and Jameer Gibbs, he actually had the most receptions on the team and now he's gone and you, you don't have that archetype at the running back position. So with like four of your leading options last year in targets and snaps at wide receiver and both a receiving running back gone, like this could be the year that Ja'Cory Brooks actually explodes and we see the potential kind of come to the surface. Um, and he was already kind of the go-to last year as a, the, the only guy who had eight or more receiving touchdowns on this team. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I laugh every time I hear somebody talk about like Alabama not having good wide receivers. Like, like you, you clearly have no either. You don't have any idea what you're talking about, or um, like you just looked at the stats. Lost real the fact quick. That there's just too many good ones. There's not like a there's not a 1500 yard receiver, but that does not mean they're not in, impressive. So, yeah, Brooks uh, I, 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 could have an explosive year and be the clear wide receiver five in this class uh, by year's end. And Troy Franklin, is this a me loving Oregon thing, or do you think he deserves to be kind of um, in that same range? I think I, I think a lot of people who are riding up who should be drafted next year right now already uh, believe he's in the wide receiver five mix as well. Um, the way he works a vertical game is really impressive, and I think he continues to add weight. He was a little bit underweight when he came in as a recruit. Uh, even last year, he wasn't. Uh, he was. It was kind of skinny at times. Oh but, yeah. Uh, he, he's he's a, reportedly continued to add some weight, and as long as that that doesn't affect his speed too much, um, yeah, I think he could have a, another solid year and, and get drafted. And by the the metrics, he's, he checks most boxes that you want to see when it comes to you know whether it's his uh, yards per team pass attempt numbers, his uh, you know overall PPRs, dominator, you know yards per team play, whatever, whatever metric you like, uh, he, he's generally at least good enough. Um, and if he has one more year and just improves his overall profile, just you know five or ten percent. He really looks like a top 50, 60 kind of uh, overall NFL draft selection. Yeah, and uh, you, you you mentioned Treshawn Holden. He he did join Oregon, but uh, they, they lost a bunch of receivers like Dante Thornton and stuff like that. So I, I don't think we have to worry about Troy Franklin uh, losing anything as far as target share. 
Bo Nix being back, we know what that offense is going to look like. Um, well, I guess Dillingham's gone, <laughs> but um, I don't think a whole lot's going to change from that perspective. I, th- I think we're going to see uh, another really productive year. Let's take a quick break, shall we? And then uh, hit some of these other guys that you can tell me Let's where I'm way off on. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we're back. So I have another kind of solo tier here. Uh, basically, I have, this is where I put, um, you know, to start uh, the next, like this is number 11 overall for me, but that next tier is just uh, Zachariah Branch, USC true freshman coming in. Uh, basically, I feel like he's the best receiver in this class. And so, uh, again, I think he has that uh, pathway to perhaps that number one receiver taken um, in 2026, which is just hilarious that we're even trying to project that. <laughs> um, but so, so that's why I have him here kind of on an Island. Yeah. And, and I would actually probably put him into that tier that we just uh, wrapped up talking about with, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks and Troy Franklin. Um, I know you're waiting a while to, to get him on your NFL team, uh, you know, as early, earliest being 2026, which is believe it or not going to be a real gear one day. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he th- I think he kind of seems like he's on an island uh, for a lot of people this year because uh, there there have been a lot of crazy comps uh, for him out there already, just because of how he profiles athletically and how he plays the game. With, when the hand, you know, when when the ball is in his hands, he's just a freak with it after the catch, and um, seems like he's going to be a difference maker and probably plugs in to be 
if not this year, um, for two years in a row, most likely the focal point of that entire passing offense. Uh, yes, it will be with a different quarterback at that point, but uh, it's it's a Lincoln Riley offense, and so uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him to be had. And uh, some people want to say that he could be the next Tyreek Hill, and I would say that's not crazy at all. <laughs> so yes, you're you're waiting for a player like uh, Zachariah Branch, uh, you know, for a few years, but. Uh, if he's not in a tier of his own, like I would put him up into the mix, like right with uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, Troy Franklin, Troy Flank, uh, yeah, Franklin. Yeah, that's the <laughs> Franklin. one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, and, you know, there are a couple other uh, other guys you could put up into this mix from the 2026 class or, you know, even from, um, you know, the 2025 class again, that uh, like Tet McMillan probably had like the, uh, depending on how you weight it, he, he might have the most impressive uh, true freshman season. Uh, from the class, actually. I, I know we talked a lot about Evan Stewart, Barry Brown, uh, Antonio Williams, Luther Burden, uh, but Ted McMillan might have actually even had uh, a better year. So if you want to put anybody else that, that would be drafted a little bit earlier up uh, into this tier with Zachariah Branch, I would not, uh, you know, I would not knock you at all for taking a player who had, what, like 30% of his team's uh, touchdowns last year, I believe, as a, as a true freshman with McMillan. Uh, so having a you know, weighted, weighted dominator rating, uh, weighted dom- dominator rating, and just normal dominator rating above twenty percent as a true freshman is is more than what we like to see in terms of uh, the typical production arc. Um, yards per team play was like a solid for even like a drafted profile kind of uh, player. His yards per team pass attempt are a little bit below what you want to see, but um, you know he was sharing a lot of targets with a couple other proven wide receivers last year. One of them being. Dorian Singer, who I would actually put up into this tier as well, right. now having transferred to USC. Uh, and if, if Zechariah Branch does not break out and have uh, a decent target share, I would say Dorian Singer is a major, major player in, in holding him back because Singer probably is going to be the wide receiver one for USC with Caleb Williams. So um, I would probably you know spread it out, have one 2024, one 2025, one 2026 kind of player in this tier with a Tet McMillan. Uh, being the freshman who is eligible 2025, uh, the 2024 being Dorian Singer, former teammate of Ted McMillan at Arizona last year, now at USC, and then Zachariah Branch uh, at USC as well, a true freshman this fall. Kind of a, a, a versatile uh, set of re- receivers um, with uh, varying levels of eligibility. Right. Uh, and so, you know, just it gives you a few different options, you know, if you miss uh, in this kind of tier range. No, I like that. Uh, that's a that's a good way to look at it. Who are because um, I'd like to just kind of maybe focus on uh, some of the eligibility here. Who are some of the other guys uh, from this incoming freshman class? Um, we've mentioned Branch already. We've mentioned Carnell Tate. Uh, we've mentioned Brandon Innes. Are those the top three for you? Are there other guys we were missing? Of course, my 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 Oregon Ducks brought in Jury on Dickey. He's up there. Um, Hakeem Williams for Florida State. Are these are those type like yeah. the top five for you? And uh, do you have a lot of uh, variation between them? Yeah, I mean, th- those are the the big obvious names. Jonte Cook uh, looks like a uh, Xavier Worthy kind of clone. <laughs> looks like you know, e- even if he doesn't have a big true freshman breakout, because they just have too many good wide receivers in Texas. Uh, Jonte Cook is going to be a, at least a, at worst a true sophomore. Uh, kind of breakout because I mean they have Xavier Worthy, they have Isaiah Naver, Isaiah Nair who missed all of last year. They have Jordan Whittington, they have uh, Ad Mitchell, um, and and so they have a bunch of bodies that they're going to have on on field. And so you might not get a bunch of 
year one production from Jonte Cook, but um, Jonte Cook was a player who really wanted to follow Arch Manning, like wherever he went, like he was like, okay, wherever Arch goes, this is where I'm going to go. And so it was pretty clear that that they have a connection. And so when Arch does inevitably take over, whether that's, um, you know, 2024 or, or beyond, like he and Cook are going to just absolutely cook. So yeah, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to see. So I, I, I get going for him because that offense with Steve Sarkeesian uh, loves to funnel the targets to a couple different options and, you know, have some upside there for production profile uh, looking nice and shiny. So I, I like him quite a bit. But then, you know, whether it's Carnell Tate or Brendan Ennis at Ohio State, one of those two uh, is going to have a significant, ro- significant role by year's end. I, I'm convinced. I know I've seen the Julian Fleming show long enough, and I, I don't really believe in Jaden Ballard or even a, a, couple, a couple of the other options there. Like, those guys are difference makers. And Brendan, and Brendan Ennis might be the most well-rounded uh, wide receiver in the class, and he's not even there yet. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I like Brendan Ennis of Ohio State, uh, Carnell Tate at Ohio State, Jonte Cook at Texas. Uh, and I really do like Jordan Dickey at Oregon. I think he could be, uh, whether it's, you know, I'm not again, another player, I'm not sure how much he's going to contribute as a true freshman. But, um, you know, somebody that I, I'm really excited about his size, speed, combination. 6'3", uh, 210, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with some wheels and just physicality to his game. Like, he looks like a really solid uh, prototypical X that has a, has a pretty nice uh, draft capital floor to him, you know, just kind of implied from day one. Um, so he's he's really he's really fun. So those, those are the big ones for me. Like, th- that probably rounds out the true freshman top five. It's, it's Zachariah Branch, you know, Jonte Cook's in there. Both Ohio State wide receivers and Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis and then Jurian Dickey uh, for me. And, and a lot of people aren't really having Dickey that high just because of his, the, the short-term angle for production. Right, right. Uh, but, uh, you know, the same deal with Hakeem Williams just because, you know, they just added Keon Coleman. They already have Johnny Wilson. Um, but but Hakeem Williams is another name that's kind of like right on the fringe for me just because he's another size-speed freak that's going to be you know, in, in a good spot in an offense that loves to funnel targets to like two guys. Uh, so really great opportunity, I think, for both uh, Dickie and Hakeem Williams to kind of duke it out for, you know, who's like the best, you know, prototypical X once they get to the, the, the next level of draft day. Yeah, no, that's cool. And I was going to ask a dumb question. I, I didn't know it was dumb until I thought through it. And I was going to say, like, do you get nervous, like, because Carnell Tate and Brandon Innes are both on Ohio State and you know one of them's going to hit, but you don't know which, maybe you just avoid them and go a different direction. But then I remember we were just, you were just rattling off all these names of first round guys. I'm like, oh yeah, no, they can, they can handle two. Yeah, they can, they can handle two. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. You know, I am a little bit worried though. Like it's like, I, I was really actually disappointed uh, because Noah Rogers, um, I have him. Right. <laughs> I already had him rostered like mm, two years ago or something. And then I was like, oh, man, he went to Ohio State. Like he's, he's gonna, it's going to be tough because like I also had Brandon Ennis on that same team. So I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Only one of them's probably going to hit because Carnell Tate's also there. And he's a, that one of those pipeline kids. You know, he's just, he's going to be that dude. No, Noah, um, Noah so, yeah, Rogers, no Rogers will hit, will hit for like Louisville or something like that. You know, like, yeah, he'll, he'll hit for somebody else. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, but um, no, I don't really have that worry. I know that uh, even next year for twenty twenty four, like the Ohio State is already bringing it. They're 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 going to bring it. It's not a lock, but it's pretty much a lock that they're going to be bringing in Jeremiah Smith, who uh, is just another you know that dude kind of player. Like he's a, he might end up being the highest rated recruit in his entire class. Like he's that kind of special talent. Yeah, 
Uh, so um, when he comes in, he's going to have a role. And so uh, the, the trio probably becomes Cardinal Tate, Brandon Innes, and Jeremiah Smith at some point in the, in the very near future. And so, uh, no, I don't, I don't really, I'm not concerned about Tate or Innes, but I would be concerned about anybody else that ever wanted to have a role within the next two or three years uh, beyond the, the names that I mentioned being Jeremiah Smith, Cardinal Tate, or Brandon Innes, because those are guys, they're just going to be the dudes like for two or three years. Uh, here in the, the near future. Yeah. Oh, that makes uh, a lot of sense. And uh, again, this Ohio state, <laughs> it's just, it's so much fun, but yeah, it is also interesting. Just keep it in mind with transfer portal and how things can change. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's talk about um, some, some of the guys who have eligibility coming up this, this next off season. Uh, I want to start kind of with uh, Rome uh, Odunzi from um, Washington. He's someone who I know you're saying uh, you've heard people talking about him as far as draft capital goes. Uh, would he be in kind of a next tier for you? Would you maybe even have him ahead of those freshmen? Where are you with him and, and who are some other uh, players you kind of have around him? Um, of course, I can yeah, I mean, shoot out some of my names, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Sure. Sure. It's, it's funny. He is... Um... Uh, going in the first round of a lot of uh, early 2024 mocks right now. And I'm like, man, that's really weird because I'm not even sure he's the best wide receiver on his team. And so <laughs> like he and uh, Jalen McMillan profile to me more like day two wide receivers. Like they're really good players, uh, but I'm not sure that they're, you know, dominant alpha wide receivers at the NFL level, uh, but they're going to have a role uh, to play where they have some upside and, you know, maybe one of them ends up, you know, getting mid-round capital like an Amon Ross St. Brown and hits anyway because, you know, they are that next level talent that can create their own separation, but they're not like an elite like Jamar Chase, Justin and Jefferson type tier kind of prospect. We're well beyond that kind of player yeah. at this point when we're talking about uh, projecting capital, projecting upside. But uh, Roma Dunze is, is a lot of fun. And uh, it will be interesting to see where he's deployed this year. They've kind of changed up, uh, you know, where... Uh, they've had players play uh, for the past couple of years um, with uh, with Polk and with uh, you know, McMillan and with Odunze. Like McMillan was primarily slot and, or, and, the, and then he was like outside. Actually, it was flip-flop there. But it, it, I'm not really sure what roles they'll have and, and how prototypical it will look like if it's going to be the exact same mix at Washington. But I do know that they're bringing back quarterback, they're bringing back the offensive coordinator, all the best players. And Washington is going to be very, very good. And so Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan, to me, uh, should be in the mix for, you know, wide receiver seven, eight, nine, in, in that kind of range, which typically gets drafted, you know, in the fringe of round two, round three, uh, something like that. Uh, that that sounds like a pretty solid range for both of them. And I know a lot of people are a little bit uh, really not as high on McMillan, but I think they will be after they're like, wait, 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 this is the second year in a row, like your third year in a row. Like that, he's basically matching one to one, like what Adunze is doing on field, and so, uh, yeah, I think uh, both players are really good, and that offense is going to be a lot of fun. The whole Pack Twelve is going to be really fun uh, for wide receivers. I which was is just not thinking actually, that I was basically, uh, the best conference for wide receivers, but there are several, um, and so th- those are players, uh, teammates uh, that I- I'm really excited about, but. Beyond that, I mean, like you, you could talk about another Arizona wide receiver. Like we talked about Dorian Singer already, who transferred to USC from Arizona. We talked about Ted McMillan at Arizona. Uh, but Jacob Cowling, I think a lot of people are going to like him. Uh, you know, former UTEP, uh, high, high level producer at, at UTEP and transfers to Arizona and is impressive. And, you know, he's probably, you know, more of like a slot at the next level. Uh, a lot of people are going to comp him to insert your favorite slot receiver X here. 
Um, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he probably is, is that guy that, uh, you know, goes in the Josh Downs range of capital outcomes, you know, like pick 70, 80, 90, something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, he might be worth a, an even earlier pick uh, to some people. But uh, I really like him as well and think he gets capital. Uh, what about uh, another guy kind of having this range? And again, it's based uh, more on what I would hope to see or, or could imagine seeing. Uh, but I don't think we're actually going to. But uh, Mario Williams, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, he's kind of like a, I don't know, to use the, the fancy football term, he's like that post-hype sleeper, you know, because like yeah. we, we all really were excited about him as a true freshman, and he was okay. He wasn't the most uh, productive guy um, on the team. I mean, that was like Marvin Mims uh, that year. Transfers with Caleb Williams, and we think, okay, he's got this great opportunity, but then they bring in Jordan Addison. Um and then he's not even like the you know second most produ- productive wide receiver last year for USC, uh, but this year I think he could be. And so I think it's probably going to be Doran Singer and Mario Williams that are the most productive wide receivers on the team. And I think they both probably get uh, day two capital at, at, at worst. Um, so yeah, I think Mario Williams is probably that uh, second option on the offense uh, for them this year through the air. And, uh, and so that, that's good enough to get him capital, but I don't think he's going to be like an early, early, you know, round two type guy, but I could see him going in, uh, you know, maybe the uh, mid or early round three, um, if not late round three at, at worst. And so he's got the, the top tier pedigree. He's got, uh, he doesn't have the perfect size. He's a little bit undersized, but uh, he projects to be a, at worst. We're talking about a really, really solid slot receiver at, at the next level. Yeah, and uh, I, I almost wonder when when it's a guy like this who had so much potential and it's just taken a while. If maybe he doesn't come back for his senior year, and, and in fact he's in that twenty twenty five class instead. Um, but I mean, yeah. who knows? <laughs> that's that's really that's really getting out there with your projections and predictions. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's not the end of the world though. Like we used to knock these players all oh, they're, they're not good enough to come out as a junior. You might you might just might, I guess you're not very good. And then we see guys like Devonte Smith and uh, Chris Olave. And the guys that like just go back to to help their their draft stock and inevitably do, and maybe that's what Mario Williams needs. I'm not saying that that's going to be happening, but I'm glad you brought that up because that's definitely in the cards for him. Yeah. Uh, so that's about 25 players, um, wide receivers that we've talked about. Um, who are some other guys that you feel we've totally missed or I've not brought up yet that should be at least in the conversation for this top 25? Or you could see if things break right, you could see them uh, kind of being, you know, if we if we do this again, like halfway through the season, they'll be in the in the discussion. I mean, a couple of obvious names for eligible uh, wide receivers next year. I mean, you have to talk about Devontae Walker going to play. Uh, at North Carolina with Drake May to potentially be um, his top option there this year if he actually works out and pans out. I mean, he transfers for, over from, uh, uh, what was it, Kent State. And, you know, had a really solid production profile. And when he played top competition, he didn't completely disappear either. Like, he had a couple plays where, uh, whether it was, I want to say, I, I don't know if it was Georgia or somebody bigger, where he actually peaked above 23 miles an hour on a play. I'm like, oh my gosh. That's crazy. Uh, when I found that out, I was like, man, okay. So he's not like your normal Mac level athlete. Like he's a, he's a top notch athlete. And so um, he, he's a little bit older as, as a wide receiver. We've not seen him do it and put it together at, like in a large sample against top competition, but he's going to have an opportunity to do it now, uh, now this year. So if he has a good, a good season, uh, he, he already has the top tier speed. He's got good enough size. 
Um, and, then, and then if he really caps it off with a strong final year with a, with a really solid NFL level quarterback, uh, he could be in that wide receiver eight, nine, ten uh, kind of mix and kind of range for draft capital outcomes. And so that's an obvious name for me, um, you know, because both Downs and Antoine Green are gone now. So it's a vast gap of opportunity implied uh, there for uh, Devontae Walker. Um, so that that's one name uh, for sure. Um, you know, any other names that uh, you're particularly high on? Well, actually, I wanted to tell talk. I wanted to ask about someone who fell out of my top 25, and that was Caleb Brown when he transferred to Iowa. Now, I know um, he wasn't getting what he needed as far as playing time, and it was, like we've talked about, a very crowded room. But uh, Iowa's offense has just been so terrible. Like, I don't, I don't want any shares of Caleb Brown at this point. <laughs> and that's fair. Uh, I, I think that I was going to try at the very least to be a little bit more explosive if they can. Um, cause if they don't, their, uh, their offensive coordinator loses his job. Like, <laughs> yeah. like they, have, it to 20, they have to get like 28 points. points. Yeah. 25 or 28. It's or like 25 like that, points yeah. a game, which is, which yeah. is for college football. That's not even good. So, um, yeah, it'll be fun to just kind of watch that situation. I'm not really sure I'm banking on any wide receiver at Iowa. Uh, to really be a guy that takes the next step, especially if Cade McNamara is like the the dude. I mean, he's okay, but uh, not exactly the the perfect uh, vertical game passer, like super explosive kind of play. So I'm not. I mean, I, I am going to be really excited just to watch uh, what might be a dumpster fire anyway. <laughs> but but we'll see uh, with, with Iowa. But a few other names like for next year: Dominic Lova, uh, love it. Uh, at Georgia, broke out from Missouri. Now, now he goes there and is perhaps the uh, de facto wide receiver one just by default, rather. Um, you know, really, the, the guy's going to be the guy's going to be Brock Bowers again. But, you know, if, if not the second target or third target, um, I mean, it seems like he's going to be at least a lock for the second or third target on the team. Um, and so if, if he really profiles well in, in this year, he could actually go and get some decent, decent capital. Um, and then beyond that, like Aronde Gaston at Syracuse, he's a big body guy. Syracuse uh, does a really good job of never getting players drafted, uh, even if they might deserve it. He, uh, so he looks like a tight end. I, I watched quite a bit of Syracuse. I don't know I why. Mean, and he, he's good. He's, but he's big and he did not look fast. Yeah. I, I am curious to see how he tests. Um, cause he is, and he, he's one of those guys who might actually just add some weight and play tight end anyway. Cause like, depending on the, the service or the site, um, like he actually has been listed as a, as a tight end anyway. Um, and, and so, yeah, he, he actually is the uh, son of, I believe the son of the, uh, you know, Dallas, uh, former Dallas Cowboys and, and Dolphins NFL wide receiver around Gaston as well. So he's like a, he's got that NFL bloodline thing going for him too. Yeah. So maybe the NFL, will overvalue him just uh, by namesake, but you know, he's I somebody that, that I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, he, I'm definitely watching him. And then, of course, a lot of people, it, you know, maybe people listening in have been screaming, like, how are you not mentioning Johnny Wilson out of Florida State at this point? Uh, or Keon Coleman, who just transferred to Florida State at this point. Um, and at that, I mean, I, I, I think they're both huge people. Like, Florida State's offense is just nothing but massive human, human beings. On the offensive line, they've got monsters. And then on the outside, they've got monsters. Johnny even Wilson. Trey Benson's huge. <laughs> like, Trey Benson is even pretty big for running back. Like, yeah. they, they've got a bunch of dudes that, uh, like, when they walk off the bus, they're, they're that kind of offense that is just like, oh, gosh, the, the offense is as big or, 
are, are bigger than the defense, you know? So, yeah. uh, cause, cause Wilson is a legit like six foot seven. And so I guess just, it's weird trying to comp him or project him and say like, Oh yeah, he's going to get this draft capital because there's not really a recent comp like that uh, for any player that's, um, got capital. Like I, I go back to, uh, what was this? Like Harold Carmichael, or, or, you know, like back in the old, old, old NFL days. That's funny. Uh, like, that are like six, seven, six foot eight kind of players. Like this is just super rare to see that kind of player with that size. How tall was the King Knicks? He wasn't that like, or even like, uh, <laughs> I feel like he was uh, a real, bicycle, yeah. I feel like he was like real bicycle tall. Burris, yeah. you know, um, like, you know, even Megatron, he was like six foot five. So like, he's, he's going to, the dude is, That's real he's big. bigger. He's at least he's taller than, uh, Megatron. I'm not saying he's in any way that player. It's just like, it, you got to really go through back into in your memory bank, uh, bank, to even find players that were successful that were just that massive. Um, so, yes, he, he's a fun vertical threat. Uh, he's really struggled with drops at times. I think a lot of people that write him up do not uh, talk about that enough. Um, and so, you know, part of it is his average depth of target downfield is pretty far, and so you're going to have some drops when, when you play uh, the way that he does. Um, and, and he seems like he's more than just a jump ball guy, but – and Keon Coleman as well, another big like he's six four something, six five. I mean, he's he's a big dude as well. They both are more than just like jump ball wide receivers. That they can do wide receiver things that that's not just like hey run run a go route and out, out jump like five ten corner. Um, but I think that's probably how they profile, and that's probably how they'll be used at the, at the next level. Like hey, just just do back shoulders and and goes and call it a day. And I'm not sure that I'm like super excited about that kind of role in today's modern NFL, <laughs> like, like best case scenario where you're talking about, uh, you know, like George Pickens. Um, and we'll still see with him, I guess, but, uh, it's just weird to project, uh, players in, in that particular archetype at, at this point. So re- I really like both of those players. Um, beyond that, like if, if 80, 80 Mitchell actually decides to declare after, after this year, if he has a good year at Texas or Zachary Franklin, wherever he lands. Yeah. I keep waiting um, to hear where he's going to go because uh, he, he was someone who made it in my uh, way too early to project um, <laughs> a three round draft. Uh, he was like the yeah. last player, but I still don't know where he's going to play, mm-hmm. but he has that talent. There is one other guy I want to talk to you about just because I've loved him for so, so long. And that's Brew McCoy. He finally had an opportunity last year in Tennessee. And now, you know, their top two guys are, are, are leaving. Now they do bring in some transfers, but do you think mm-hmm. Brew McCoy has a shot to, uh, to maybe get drafted um, late third round? Or is that even, even that a dream? That's probably a dream. Uh, I think uh, he's going to put up some decent numbers this year because that offense just does that at Tennessee. Like it's really, pretty easy for wide receivers to uh, produce in that offense. Like even if it is that you have Joe Milton, who actually is very inaccurate outside of a, you know, a couple games in his career, um, you know, throwing you the ball, but uh, you know, he probably plugs in to that Cedric Tillman kind of role uh, this year. It seems, it seems that way, at least uh, early reports from the spring, uh, he could kind of be in that slot for them. So he's going to be a pretty prominent target, but I don't think he gets uh, early, early draft capital next year. I think, uh, you know, later, round draft capital probably feels right for brew. Um, but I am actually really excited about his teammate score white. Uh, Cause his, you know, his metrics are kind of silly. Like if you look at his, we forgot to for talk about run. him earlier. I, cause I have him in that uh, Dorian no, singer, Dorian singer range. So yeah. And to me, like he's, he's probably going to be that Jalen Hyatt guy who is this, the, the free running vertical routes all day in that offense. 
And so he's going to put up some pretty dumb numbers uh, for Tennessee, even if the quarterback play is questionable uh, this year. And so he um, scored White already had a pretty nice explosive, like per play kind of profile to, to his game, um, you know, even as a true freshman. And so he's, you know, you're not going to have him drafted until 2025, but um, he's somebody that I'm really intrigued by to just explode probably for two years. Uh, and, and at worst case, you're probably talking about uh, back end of day two when he actually gets drafted. I, I am curious about his upside in terms of, you know, how early he'll go. Uh, we just saw what Jalen Hyatt go round three. I think that we could see, I guess, Squirrel White uh, eventually going round three as well. Uh, and so, yeah, he's kind of undersized, but super crazy quick and is going to have the production. So really intrigued by that. Um, and then if you have the names that aren't eligible for next year, but you know, beyond that for 2025, Kobe Prentice was actually the guy among all the true freshmen that, that saw the most work for Alabama. And so he could continue to grow and be that, that focal point eventually. Uh, Dan Key, I'm oh, real, briefly mentioned him at, at Kentucky. Real, but yeah, what, what, oh, just yeah. you were talking about Alabama. I was curious what your thoughts on, were yeah. on Isaiah Bond, who's also on that, in that wide receiver room. Yeah. If, if like Burton and Brooks and maybe a couple other guys are, are, Really, it's just Burton and Brooks, and maybe if depending on what happens with the uh, JUCO transfer Malik Benson uh, this year, you know, depending on what happens there, and if like a couple of those guys are gone, Bond could have a really huge breakout like third season. Um, but it's gonna it's tough to really project that uh, Bond's gonna be more than just like a rotational yeah uh, guy this year. You know, it's probably it's really hard to say he's got even going to be like the fourth option super confidently confidently because a lot of people are expecting Malik ben- Benson to come in as a, as a transfer and uh, you know, be in the mix for the best wide receiver on the team. I don't see that. Uh, but uh, you know, we've seen a couple other transfers for them transfer in not, and, and not work out for Bama. So but yeah, bond is, is a guy I really liked. Uh, he was a, you know, a player that was highly touted, went into the all American bowl, had a good game there. Even looked good against the best players in the country. Uh, wasn't my wide receiver one in that group that came in last year for Alabama and uh, just did not uh, see enough work. Um, so I hope he works his way into at least a wide receiver, wide receiver two role for Alabama. But right now it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, but he's definitely an name to try to, you know, get late if you can, if he's not already rostered, but he was probably already taken last year just based on the upside uh, before in, in most like college or campus to Kenton formats and even maybe some uh, deeper Debbie fantasy football leagues. And so, that's tough, but I really, I still believe in his talent. Yeah, uh, for sure. But then key, of course, being the wide receiver two for Kentucky, uh, Devin Leary uh, being there at now uh, gives them an even better quarterback option, frankly, than they just had. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Year. I'm here for it. Um, and, and Will Levis. Uh, so Leary probably um, is a good thing for Dan key. And so really, really like, um, that that tandem of uh, Barry and Brown and, and Dan Key to continue to produce there uh, for Kentucky. So he's somebody to keep your your eye on as a potential day two wide receiver as well. Uh, and then outside of that, you, you, we're talking about uh, you know some upside plays um, like whether it's uh, Travis Hunter if he decides to actually play wide receiver. I think he probably goes corner just because he's too stupid good there yeah. long term. Um, and then Kevin Coleman actually uh, who went FCS as well uh, is now at Louisville. And I could see him actually being the wide receiver one by uh, season's end for Louisville. And uh, Jeff Brom, uh, who transferred, not transferred, who left Purdue to go to Louisville, um, you know, he 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 likes to uh, you know feed the wide receivers like at least one or two primary guys a ton of targets and get them drafted. You know, to the tune of like what what would we just see uh, Rondell Moore, 
uh, David Bell, Charlie Jones. Like it just, he funnels targets to like one guy. So whoever is there and is the wide receiver one at, at Louisville is going to go off probably uh, now, given how that offense typically works. And if it is that it's Kevin Coleman, who actually was like a top 40 or 50 player in his class and just decided to go uh, to the FCS level uh, and is now back on the FBS level. Like that's somebody that I'm really intrigued to see if he's like the focal point of that offense. Yeah, I know that's those are interesting names. Two more before uh, we get out of here. Uh, Caden Saunders from Penn State and then uh, Chris Marshall, uh, Old Miss in that same class. Chris Marshall seems like he's uh, getting in trouble and uh, he's going to be a handful <laughs> okay. and he's not going to be anything. Um, so he's he's a he's a nothing burger for me to be honest. Like yeah, at this we, point. we talked like, about that. We talked about how we don't want to take those risks. There's enough no, enough other things no, that we uh, no that, are man. projecting. Why mm. why add that? There's enough other players. Okay, yeah. good to know. Ken Saunders had a great spring game. Like he caught a couple balls from Drew Aller. Um, I'm not sure how that wide receiver room stacks up this year in terms of like the target totem pole uh, but he should be he should be in the mix for uh the one of the better players in that room and so i would not be surprised i'm not banking on him breaking breaking out i had him rated pretty high as a true freshman but i uh, i would not be surprised if he's the best wide receiver there either by years years end oh and another, another player real quick that also transferred because there's like a billion transfers cj williams from usc i know you are a big fan of him transfers to wisconsin uh, to be perhaps the best wide receiver on Wisconsin's team. Like he's there, there's been a lot of buzz about him this spring. Um, and uh, Fickle needs to establish the fact that, Hey, we, we have a good wide receiver friendly offense here in Wisconsin for the first time in a hundred years. Right. And, and so uh, if CJ Williams can break out as a true sophomore in, in what should be um, a more pass heavy offense, you know, Tanner Mordecai just transferred there from SMU. He's used to chucking it up yep. uh, quite a bit. So maybe that actually pans out because CJ Williams was like a top 50 ish kind of a player overall in the country uh, in his class for, for a good long, long while. So yeah, he that's was probably enough names. Yeah. He was uh, the number seven wide receiver in his class. So yeah, he was definitely up. Yeah. There. He was stacked. I had him for a while. He, well, maybe I'll mention these players just cause I want them to break out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm with you on that though. I'm but, with you. Uh, I mean, I had, I, I, I've got a team with Kevin Coleman and CJ Williams and Caden Saunders on it. So, uh, and Antonio Williams and Barry and Brown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so all names. Hopefully, hopefully they all kill it. But uh, yeah, that's, that's probably enough names to, to, to talk through the next big thing Absolutely. at wide receiver. But I think we probably got close to 50. Yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> it was awesome done. But uh, yeah, this was fun, man. Talking through all the best wide receivers in uh, the next three years, really. Yeah. And, and we'll be back again uh, with you all next week. We'll talk tight ends briefly, but we'll, we're not going to spend a whole hour on tight ends. Uh, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into some other stuff. We'll, we'll maybe y'all can hit us up with uh, uh, some questions that we can hit. I've, I know I've gotten a few already um, based on some of the articles around this of players that I'm way too high on or way too low on. So maybe, maybe I'll uh, help you know, I'll ha- have you help me answer some of those questions and uh, we can get into some of those specifics, but uh, great talking about wide receivers here with you as always, Travis. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you can find us on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M and stay fun. Laco. That's L a K O. Uh, and feel free to drop us any questions uh, there. And I've had some, uh, pe- again, even more people just based off of last week's episode prompting just to reach out and uh, ask questions, uh, you know, about your leagues, uh, stuff you'd like to hear about on the show. I'd love to do uh, kind of a more of a, a mailbag style 
uh, here very soon. So just drop as uh, either one of us uh, something you liked here on the show. We don't typically do that kind of format show, but we have I've gotten more uh, feedback and questions here recently. So we'd love to kind of do that. So feel free to reach out. Uh, with any Debbie League questions, college football, NFL, NFL draft projections, whatever it is, uh, we're glad to uh, talk about it. But you guys enjoy uh, the rest of your week, and we'll be back for another College to Canton episode uh, here with you guys here soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.